Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is uh, my next episode and um, to my podcast. And I would like to uh, say that I'm starting to get a lot of, uh, you know, reviews. Not reviews, but people are actually listening. So I want to be a little bit more expressive, um, more elaborate, you know, in into details and um, more captivating, you know, so that my audience can grow and understand, you know, my transition and my development to the person who I am today that's sharing this podcast and sharing this story. So, um, in 1985, I get out, um, matter of fact, it was 84, I got out, and I paroled out of San Quentin, they, uh, got a shuttle, shipped me over to San Francisco, where I caught the bus, and I went to the Greyhound and caught the bus, to San Jose so when I get to San Jose uh, I want to surprise my moms um, I didn't know I mean I've been locked up in a, in, 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 in a hole in a shoe program for two years so it was like future shock and I didn't know you know about the bus system I was still you know, I didn't want to be confined in a bus. So I walked all the way from downtown San Jose to Lexian Brothers Hospital. That was, uh, I think it's called San Jose Regional Hospital now, but it's off of Jackson. And anyway, I surprised my moms and my moms. She told the people at the hospital, I'm going to take the day off. My son just got home. And it was totally exciting you know to see her the joy in her face to see her shock that her son just walks in her job and he's free and because uh I got released a little bit earlier than I anticipated so she didn't know I was coming and um man just excitement and when I got home um my little sister was at school and she waited for my little sister to come home. And when my little sister came in there, she just started jumping up and down and screaming, you know. So um, it made me realize, it really made me realize how much my people miss me, my family miss me, you know, and how much that I needed to be there, you know. As a man, uh, when I was young and confused, you know, I thought being in prison was, yo, I'm a gangster, I'm a rider, you know, and and this is some gangster shit, you know, and um, but in reality, there wasn't no gangster shit. That was some straight coward shit, you know. How who who leaves your family out there defenseless, you know? Because when I was in the cell. You know, uh, or in 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 the day room, 
you know, getting ready to go to war with somebody over TV, how the hell can I protect my family if I'm in there, you know, and somebody got a gun on me to where if I did anything wrong, they would shoot me and kill me right there, you know. So anyway, I get out and, um, you know, it's crazy that I said that and I recognize that, but... The streets was my addiction, you know. As uh, soon as I got, well, it wasn't the streets. It was my gang, you know. I was living the gang life, you know. And when Big Red come home, you know, all the homeboys, oh, Big Red home, you know. Oh, things is getting ready to get active, you know, because I made things happen. So um as soon as I get out, Man, it's crazy because with my gate money, I went and bought a sawed-off shot. I went and bought a shotgun uh, off King and Story Road in back of the 7-Eleven. And um, I sawed it off. I sawed the barrel off. I sawed the, the butt off. And it was on already. You know, so, and, and and that was just letting it be known that, you know, we here, and just because I was gone don't mean that things change, you know, it's still SJ Rips, you know, and not no east side, not no uh, story road apartments, we didn't bang no hood, we didn't bang something you know, if we gonna bang something, we bang the whole city. So it was SJ Rips. And anyway, uh, so we get back active, meeting a lot of new recruits, you know, because I had some homeboys that was recruiting a lot of people. So a lot of people was being introduced to me. And uh, I got this little job. I think I got a job at... Uh, at Kentucky Fried Chicken, and that was going good, you know, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing that no matter how many times I went back and forth to prison, every time I got out, I was able to get a job, so there are jobs, you know, and you can get a job as an ex-cop, well, no, in this day and time, because back in my time, when they say, have you ever been convicted of a felony? I would say no. And then about time they do find out and do a background check, I'm already in. And I just showed them that I have an awesome personality because that was my my main strategy. I say, I know they're going to find out that I'm an ex-con, but I'm going to charm these people so much to when they do find out I'm an ex-con and that I was in for a robbery, they're going to say, well, he done made a big change in his life. I like his character, so we're going to keep him on, you know. And a lot of times that's exactly what happened, you know. Uh, but later on in the game, because um, CDC, the judicial system, the parole department, they didn't want to see us become successful 
So when they found out that I was getting a job and they found out that we were getting jobs and we was lying on the application, uh, they made that a parole violation for falsifying documents. So now we can't lie on the applications no more. I mean, you know, at this day and age, you know, when I got my second and third number, I couldn't lie. So anyway, I'll get more into that later on, you know, uh, as far as when my last number. But anyway, um, you know, things are going good and all the females coming, all the homeboys coming. Things are getting good. Mom's is happy at home. Uh, got me a car and we started, you know, partying and celebrating. You know, and it's a trip because, you know, you can start off, you know, drinking, smoking weed and uh, the party is going on. You know, I ain't gonna lie because I started snorting coke back when I was like, uh, 14, 15, 16 years old, so, uh, snorting coke, uh, drinking, smoking weed, and partying, and driving while under the influence, driving crazy, and just doing the damn thing, so, uh, it's a couple people, you know, uh, that was out there that was like, Oh, here come Red. He's coming back. He's getting ready to, you know, set things off. And at the same time, it was a lot of people that was pretending like they was gangsters. So when I came back out, you know, everything is going to be revealed that they, they, they ain't nothing but some suckers, you know, some pussies, you know. And so now they're scared because they've been telling all these war stories, you know. Now I'm getting ready to come out here and give this strong demonstration and reveal that these suckers are straight pussies. You know, weak-ass individuals that ain't never had a gangster bone in their body. You know, so um, I come out and I start doing a few things uh, and communicating with a few people. Uh, I had to go back to the old uh, neighborhood where the rip started and let people know that, you know, you're not going to run this. So, and we we came and hung out and let it be known, you know, on a daily basis. Got into a couple of little run-ins, you know, but in reality, um, didn't nobody want no funk. You know, because I was a type and it, the mentality that I had at that time was I'm laying everybody down. I know where your parents stay. I know where your grandparents stay and everybody's going to suffer. You know, if you if you try to get in my way and try to stop the momentum that I am setting forth, you know, about this SJ Rip thing, you know. So anyway, uh, now police is hearing about it uh the parole officers is hearing about it but they couldn't catch me you know because I was staying mobile I was staying mobile and then so um one day I goes over to uh 
Story Road apartment. That's where I'm coming back, you know, hanging out and stuff. And I get in the car with this in the... No, okay, so what had happened was this guy, he sold me some weed. And then um, he came up short. And then so this was the third time that he came up short. So I didn't want to drive because I had my pistol on me. And, well, okay, I'm going to go back just a week before that. Uh, I had some homeboys that got into it with this other group. Uh, They was up at East Ridge, and they was getting ready to funk. So when they was getting ready to funk, the police was called. So I got a call saying, hey, man, they got us hemmed up. Police got us hemmed up. Come over to East Ridge. So I ran. I stayed over by O.B. Whaley. I ran from all the way over there to East Ridge. So one of the homeboys said, the gun is in the trash can. So I get the gun out the trash can, and I comes all the way back to uh, King Road. So when I go to King Road, uh, I get in the car. I mean, I I come out of 7-Eleven. I see the same guys that my homeboys got into it with. They in the car. They see me. So they all jumping in the car like they getting ready to rush me. And I'm like, fool, I got this Smith & Weston with hollow points in this bitch. And I start walking towards them like I'm Clint Eastwood. And they like, oh, something's wrong. So when I get at them, I said, "Um, yeah, man, I think, you know, I was talking to this other individual about that. I said, you know, we all from the east side. We don't need to be fucking with each other. And so, um, you know, individual, he was listening. But it was another individual that was in the back saying, no, that's that's against all you rips. You know, because the other guy was talking about it was just a personal beef. And he said, oh, it's against all you rips. I said, okay, well, since it's against all us rips, I started pulling out the uh, uh, the, uh, the, the 38. And uh, the other driver, he gets out and says, hey, Rogue, hey, Rogue, don't you remember you from Juvenile? So they seen the gun and they realized that all of them was going to die. And then so he looked at me basically pleading in his eyes. So I gave him a pass, you know. So later on, you know, I'm still walking around. You know, I'm liking this. I'm like, damn, this Smith and Weston. What the hell? These, how the hell these youngsters come up with this? I said, well, I'm getting ready to put work in with this sucker right here. These some hollow points, some one-hitter quitters. So... Uh, when I go back over the story road, the dude made three transactions. So I'm like, three strikes you out. I'm getting ready to go over there and check this fool. So when I go over there, I, uh, I, I, I go and, and you know, it's trip because I knew it was, I didn't know it was a setup, but I realized it was a setup after the fact. So I goes over there looking for weed. And then when I when this guy, he gets in the car, he said, "Come on, let's go, let's go get this weed." So we get in the car to drive around in Story Road Apartments. I'm like, "Why the fuck we getting in the car?" You know, just it was in walking distance. As soon as we get in the car, the fucking police get behind us, and police get behind us, and I said, "Oh fuck." You know, so 
when they when we hit the corner, I throw the gun out. So when I throw the gun out, instead of this fool taking off, this fool parks. This fool parks, and then when the police uh, actually get out the car, this dude bumps into the police and whisper in his ear and talk about the gun was his. I didn't know he said that until they, they showed the police report. But anyway, so I've been out six months. Six months after doing four years, I get out six months, and here I am with a gun beef. And the guy just straight, you know, he straight ratted on me. He, he's like, um, you know, that ain't my gun. They trying to get me to cop to it. And I'm saying, that ain't my gun. You know, that gun was out the car, under the thing. They didn't see me through it. So they trying to get me to cop to it. So they don't know, you know. They ain't came back and said it was fingerprints on it or nothing. So the only way they can do it is get me to cop to it. You know, and, you know, the guy snitched, so that was my gun beef. And so here I am, back in the county jail, fighting uh, a gun beef and a parole violation. So, you know, that was pretty good. I, I think that was pretty good. It was pretty descriptive. And I will get more into details because... I'm getting ready to do, they're getting ready to send, well, they actually, they sentenced me to two years in prison for the gun beef, so I think I ended up doing a year off of it, but anyway, um, next part I'm going to give you is going to be 85 and 86, uh, no, this is 85, yeah, this is 85, so... I'm going to give you uh, this year of incarceration where my mental awareness is so keen and it's so deep-rooted into this blackness because I've seen, I've observed so many things about the system of capitalism, racism, you know, and stuff like that, that I'm on a whole different level now. It's not just about the gang, it's about the culture. So until the next episode, enjoy. Uh, Leave a comment, share it with a friend. Peace.